Okay. So today I want to start a new part of the afterlife. We just finished talking about near-death experiences, and we went through that for, oh, I don't know how many weeks. And now we want to talk about the process of the soul leaving the body. The soul. Oh, the soul. The soul reaches and is able to penetrate all levels of existence. There are elements of the soul that remain above the body or above the body's standard mode of operation. And there are soul sparks that are intimately integrated within the body. The soul is a fascinating being. The body without a soul is just a a lump of flesh. The soul animates the body. Souls are multidimensional. They are multifaceted. They are both transpersonal and individualized. They have general sparks and they have individual or specific sparks. There is so much about the soul that we don't know. But Kabbalah opens up a world of the soul that we could start really understanding. Feeling, oh yes, we've all felt the soul. We know the soul. We felt that spark. We felt that feeling. But to know the soul, that's our goal here. It'll take us a number of uh, weeks. But we're not going to just talk about the soul itself. We're going to talk about the soul in its relationship to leaving the body in this quest and this deep dive in understanding the afterlife. There are lots of different aspects of the soul. Parts that are beyond the soul, beyond the world, and parts that are within this world. Parts that transcend this world and parts that animate and give life to the body. The way Kabbalah describes it is in the mnemonic Naran. Naran stands for Nefesh, Ruach, Neshama. Nefesh, Ruach, Neshama, we've spoken about this before. It constitutes what we call normative consciousness. If you remember in our deep dive on the five levels of the soul, these are the first three levels of the five levels. If you don't remember it, you can go back. It's in uh, the recordings, and you can go back and do the deep dive again on the five levels. I'm not going to go into the details of it, but I only want to go into it with regards to the afterlife, uh, with the soul leaving the body. There are also deeper and higher and more expansive states of the soul, parts that envelop and encircle what we're going to call the human. There's the makif hakarov, makif hakarov. Apologize for that.
there's there's the makif hakarov. There's also, which means the immediate surrounding, and there's the makif harachok, which is the distant surrounding. So there's an immediate surrounding, and there's a distant surrounding. As intelligence, as human development evolves over the course of our lives, the soul as well enters and impacts the being in progressive stages. The initial connection between the body and the soul is at conception. But ultimately, the soul only becomes more assimilated at maturity. What is maturity? Maturity is 12 for a girl and 13 for a boy. The soul also has other levels besides for the 12 and 13. There's also a 20, but the soul is only fully formed at 40. So for those of you who have heard that one should only start studying Kabbalah at 40, it may have something to do with the fact that the soul is only completely and fully formed at 40. The same process of conception to 12, 13, to 20, to 40, the same process reverses itself at death. The soul leaves the body in stages, in phases. There's also a severance from the body of the most apparent manifestations of the soul at the moment of death. And yet, still, while the body lies in what we call a lifeless state, the soul is still there. The soul is not instantaneously leaving and disappearing from the body. The soul will still exist in some way still present. The more conscious aspects of the soul retreat from the body at the moment of death, but traces of the soul energy remain attached to the body for a longer period of time. That's why, according to Judaism, it is so important that at the time of death, that we treat and respect the body with the utmost respect. We don't speak frivolously in front of the body because the soul is still there. We don't plan funeral arrangements in front of what we call the lifeless body because the soul is still there. We don't manhandle it. We have to be very careful with it because the soul is still there. It's the other reason why at a Jewish funeral, there will be no viewings of the lifeless body because the soul will be hurt by that. The soul does not want to see, does not want people to see them in that state. That's why as soon as we can, we cover the body. Not to hurt the feelings of the soul. There's a gradual procedure of how the soul enters and exits the body. The process of the soul leaving the body begins prior to the actual clinical death. Even before the essential separation 
and severance that occurs between life and death, that severance and separation is the moment that divides physical life from the next world. There are soul properties that will have already begun to detach from the body. So let's start understanding this. The first part that we need to understand is called the sale. The sale is also known as the aura. For those of you who have heard of the aura, every single person, every single human possesses an aura, a sale. It's not it's not really an aura. The way that maybe you've heard aura and defined aura, I, we're going to have to redefine it. So I'm going to call it aura, but I would rather call it sale. It's a shadow of sorts. It's an ethereal body. And that sale, that aura, is what departs in advance of the actual moment of death. The aura that sail ascends and unifies with the sail of the Orient Sof. The Orient Sof is how we define God in Kabbalistic terms. It means the infinite light. That will happen already 30 days before clinical death. The aura leaves the body about 30 days before clinical death, on average. I think that from this teaching, we can discern that death does not occur suddenly and there are no accidents. I want to say that again. I think that we can discern from the fact that the aura that Seo leaves the body around 30 days before clinical death. We can discern that there's no sudden death. There's no accidents. Nobody dies suddenly. It's all part of a divine plan. No matter the circumstance of a person's death, whether it was a natural death or one that was caused by accident or by illness, 30 days prior to their death, parts of their soul have already begun to slowly ascend. There's a spiritual phenomenon that in Kabbalistic terms is referred to as Hargashos Ha'avir. It's literally translated as sensing the atmosphere. People who are highly sensitive, who are highly refined, can discern this sail, they can discern this aura or this surrounding light that envelops a person. And through it, they can peer as if, I would say, through a prism into another person's psyche. There are people who can do this. One of the primary spiritual teachers of the 13th century, his name was Rabbi Yitzchak Sagi Nahar. Literally, they called him Rabbi Yitzchak or Rabbi Isaac the Blind. The Hebrew words Sagi Nahar literally means access light or access vision. 
they use this phrase as a euphemism to refer to people who are visually impaired. I don't know if you know that. But in Jewish and Kabbalistic terms, we use the term sagi nahar to say access vision. To refer to someone who is blind. Someone someone who has a physical impairment of some sort, blind, uh, deaf, uh, uh, immobile, for whatever reason, they're going to have an extra sense somewhere else. The soul still exists. So if someone can't see, you can imagine they're going to have a very, very strong sense of sound. Part of it is because it's practical for them in this world. But the other part of it is because their soul has an extra, extra sensory element of sound or of other elements because the soul is not able to use the eyes to see. But the soul still has the ability to see. So what is the soul seeing if it doesn't have eyes? I'll leave that as a question. So in the case of Rabbi Yitzchak, they literally meant this. They meant this literally, that he was someone who had excess vision even though he was blind. Even though he was physically blind, on a spiritual level, his vision was quite clear. His vision was quite penetrating. In fact, he was known to be able to both observe other people's thoughts as well as to sense the air around them. Meaning, this Reb Isaac was able to perceive and then impart a person's soul type or a person's soul roots, he also had the ability through sensing whether the aura is with the body or not to discern whether death was looming or imminent. People who were not well would go to him to find out what their story was. Sensing our own sail, sensing our own aura, as it's departing, is also a real possibility. There are many people who seem to sense their immediate physical demise, whether by the things they do or by the thoughts they express. In these situations, in these circumstances, for such people, there appears to be a a, a deep precognition that their death is imminent. This phenomenon could be a result of the person being super, super spiritually sensitive, possessing a, an acute awareness that their sail, that their aura has parted 30 days prior. That's why sometimes and often the, the Talmud and the Medrash will say that the person knew they were going to die. Because they, many people who are sensitive already can sense that their sale, that their aura has parted. It's also possible for a person that has a highly evolved consciousness to be aware when another person's aura has already left them. 
The aura is said to appear as a person's literal shadow. How do you detect its disappearance? You can detect it by observing its absence in the moonlight. Yet, the Code of Jewish Law warns us not to openly pay attention to these matters. If you don't see someone's shadow, don't uh, don't start coming into various ideas and conclusions just because you came to a class and somebody said something. Because most people, without having the knowledge, don't know how to really look for the phenomenon. So just because the shadow doesn't exist doesn't mean that it's not there. According to the Zohar, a person's aura will ascend from their body on the night of Hoshana Rabbah, the seventh day of the holiday of Sukkot, and the 26th day from the beginning of creation, if they're destined to pass away that year. Later on, after the holiday, the aura will return to the body and stay with the person until 30 days before they actually are going to pass on. And like we said, on the 30th day before death, it ascends for good. Once the so-called aura or shadow leaves the body, it's only a matter of time before the more manifest aspects of the soul begin to depart. But, and I must mention this, as always, through the power of teshuva, teshuva means return or reintegration or self-reconstruction or change, everything can be readjusted and all decrees can be overturned. Even in a moment, we can change the entire trajectory of our life. Even though there are metaphysical principles within the world of spirits and as well within the physical dimension, as something is set into motion, the law of inertia will take hold. And even still, through teshuva, through change, through return, teshuva can also be translated by someone's repentance, though it's not a proper translation. It's That's a Christian term that does not exist within the Jewish tradition. But if you want to understand what teshuva really is, you can get an idea for that, through that. But through teshuva, we have the ability to halt the quasi-mechanical casualty of the spiritual world and, and suspend the apparent immutability of determinism. I'll, I'll say it simply. Teshuva has the power to reverse anything that has been commenced and therefore that sale can return to the body. So even though it's gone, and even though the 30 days has already begun, it can return. So this is the first 
understanding. Today, I wanted to do a deep dive into the tzil, into the aura, into the shadow. Next week, we're going to talk about the Nahura, the, the pillar of fire. But let's focus on the sale. Any questions, comments, thoughts, please? I have a few questions. Yeah. Of course I do. Um, first of all, it is sale, is it T-S-A-L? That I, would how you pronounce? It's, um, I would call it uh, uh, T-Z-E-I-L. Or for those of you who are, uh, who are in Canada or England, it's T-Z. E-I-L. Okay. I wasn't familiar with that term. Sale. Sale. Yeah. So I have two scenarios. I have two scenarios. One was a family that I don't know, but who was from our congregation here in Chicago. And the mom and the dad were on a motorcycle in Wisconsin on vacation. And somehow was in an accident and the husband died suddenly, immediately. The wife has had all kinds of injuries and surgeries and whatever. So when you had said that the sale leaves 30 days prior to death, whether it natural or sudden, all I could think of was this family. Like, could they possibly even have seen or known that this soul was leaving this man's body prior to this sudden accident? I just, I find that I understand if you have a long-standing illness, cancer, whatever, and you know that your end is coming, that the sale kind of sees that or feels it and decides to ascend. But in the sudden death, I have a real hard time with that. So I think it's important for us to remember that we are limited beings. We are here studying elements of consciousness and subconsciousness that may be beyond our grasp to a certain extent. Though I will say, the Midrash says that People who experience sudden death often will have a certain intuition that they shouldn't have done that, they shouldn't have gone there, they shouldn't be there, they they would have known beforehand, but still made the choice to do it. It's a risk-taking thing, obviously, like a lot of things, bungee jumping or whatever. That's risk-taking, but even, even situations where a person will be in... There, there is a there is a subconsciousness, but often people ignore it. Again, I, I'm, I think that we're we're ma- trivializing something that's very, very complicated, and very nuanced, and has a lot more dimension than maybe we can truly understand. But for the sake of trying to understand that element, there's that's that's the best I can tell you. Though we really don't know. Okay. I have a part two that has nothing to do with that. It's a revisit of a conversation we had that you emphasized such importance 
And now I'm hearing more and more of people wanting to be cremated. Mm. And I cringe because I remember how you said how the soul suffers so much more during that process. When I have a half a dozen friends that are my age now or in their 70s or 80s, and that's how they're choosing for their life's end, I don't feel it's for me as a mortal person to say, don't do that. You need to do this because it's my belief. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, just share again how, why that's so important not to, so I can understand. I don't want to go back into that conversation because it's a very deep conversation and I, and I, and I want to do it justice. But what I will say is that very often people make decisions without education and our job and something that I have, as you know, spent my life trying to do is educate. The best we can do is educate. A, A student at the university was talking to yesterday and he says to me, um, I just want to tell you, Rabbi, I don't believe in God. And I said, wow, that's amazing. And he starts laughing. He's like, why is that amazing? I said, because I can't believe how much time it means that, I mean, how old are you? He said, 21. I said, 21. Wow. You must have spent your entire life searching, understanding, researching, educating yourself all about God and studying all of the world's greatest teachings with regards to God. And at 21 years old, you have come to the educated conclusion that you don't believe in God. I'm fascinated by you. I am in awe of you. He says to me, no, I I haven't done that. I said, okay, so then you're ignorant. Are you tired of swiping right on every dating app out there and still getting nowhere? Are you convinced that you'll forever be alone, surrounded by nothing but uh, cats and empty takeout containers? <laughs> Hi, I'm Aliza Ben Shalom, the host of the new show, Jewish Matchmaking, which you can find on Netflix. And I'm the love rabbi, Rabbi Yisrael Bernath, and we're inviting you to join us for Matchmaker Matchmaker. Each week, we'll answer one of your pressing relationship questions, from how to get over your ex to how to deal with your partner's annoying habits. So if you're ready to laugh, uh, cry, or maybe even find love, then tune in to Matchmaker Matchmaker, and it's available now wherever you listen to your podcasts. Wow. I just feel like it's my belief system. If someone, forget about God even. So let's say you don't believe in God. They don't believe in a soul. A soul being different. How can I explain to a person this isn't a good idea? The best thing we can do in our life is to educate. (laughs) That's the best thing that we can do in our life is to educate. It's a very, very, very hard. If they don't want to listen, you can't force it. You can't, you know, as you know, with children, you can't give them unsolicited advice. But if you have a friend that is open to listening to a perspective, you can go back into your notes from this class and you can say, I want to educate you. And it really had a real impact. Or you can send them the recording that you have uh, by email. And you can say, this really, really impacted me. 
I just want to educate. I just want you to see another perspective. I'm not telling you what to do or anything, but in life, it's always good to have a second opinion and another perspective. But thank you. And I and I and I don't want to belittle because we you know that that's a very important conversation, a very important conversation. Alexander. Thank you. I will do that. Yeah. Actually, thank you, Cheryl, because I had that conversation with my mom where her father's been cremated and she wanted to be cremated. And I explained to her after after the class what we had learned. And she said, Well, you will decide what she gave me the power of attorney <laughs> on on that phase and i i it, it raised myself a question as rabbi can i request from a funeral home a jewish burial from someone who's not jewish um a jewish style burial yes a jewish style burial Yes, they will. They they will do that. There's there, there's a term now. It's called the Jewish style burial. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, but can they be buried in a Jewish cemetery in Chicago? They're Jewish cemeteries, and then people who are married to Jews or yeah, like so there, 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 there are there are sections, sections. In, in cemeteries that are not considered part of the Jewish cemetery, and that's how they do that. I see. Okay. Yeah. There you go, Alexandra. Yeah. Thank you. Wow, that's well. I I don't want to say that's great news, but <laughs> I will. As, as I, I will say. <laughs> sorry, I don't want to interrupt you. Please, Alexander. As, as good as it gets. Yeah, I I will say on this note, the people who say I don't want to take up any space in this world, I would like them to feel the same way while they're alive. If you're going to feel that way after your life, then you should feel that way while you're living. And I mean, and if somebody said that they have a zero carbon footprint, zero carbon footprint in this world while they're alive, then I think that they have the right to say, I don't want to take up any space afterwards. But if they had a, if they didn't have a zero carbon footprint, then why is it okay while you're living, but not okay for your soul after you leave this world? That's all I'm saying. But I, I'm wondering about the soul because I have buried parents and sisters. And um, I'm wondering, I have a problem with a, uh, uh, the body, the shell and the soul, if, if there's some left, being underground in a box. Mm. That doesn't seem to me like uh, a fitting end for a soul of a human, of a human being. It just doesn't, it, it, that feels as strange to me as much as, as fire. Where, where would you rather it be? Well, for me, I'd rather it be under some rocks, but, but that's just because I'm a collector and, you know, I would feel comfortable in, a, in it, a canyon. Yeah, but you can put it in a canyon. As long as it's in the earth. So you're okay with that. Like, the the, the the alternative is under rocks in a canyon. You're good. Grand Canyon. Yeah. Okay. That's it. We've I just always this. have had when my when my mother's <laughs> coffin went into the ground, I couldn't help feeling that part of her was still alive. And I guess I was feeling that soul because she was a very amazing woman. Um, and 
And I couldn't help thinking maybe it was too soon to put her there. Yeah. One of the, one of the, one of the reasons why there's a tradition not to go to the cemetery uh, short, shortly after the, 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 the person is buried is because the soul is very much still there and it hurts them so much they can't give you a hug. Okay. And how about when your husband's claustrophobic and he said, I don't want to be in this back room the crowd. So that's speaking to you, sort of, mom. So then, so then, so if they're claustrophobic and they don't want to be in the ground, they should be buried in Israel where they don't bury them in boxes, just in talits. And it's very oh. good for those who are claustrophobic. Oh. And let me add that there's the most beautiful cemetery uh, on the hills of Bet Shemesh, which is uh, halfway between Tel Aviv and, and Jerusalem. And uh, it, it's, I don't want to say that it's my dream to be buried there, but somewhat, you know, if I had a dream about being buried, if you, that would if, be. If you want to be buried there, you should buy the condo now. I know. I know. If you, we can help make that happen. It is a very beautiful cemetery. It's the most beautiful, but the, and it you has get a the view. Prices? Cemeteries with a view are amazing. It has the best view ever. It's peaceful. It's full of light. It's surrounded by trees. It's. Do you do you have an agreement with them? Can we pay monthly? <laughs> I don't know. Let me find out. Please, <laughs> you know, if you could make like a like a a, a group, you know, if, if we can get a yeah. group sale, yeah. I, it's I, it's it sounds morbid, but I'm telling it, it you, is, it is a beautiful thing. I, I don't think, you know, I, I know it's for a lot of people it's morbid. Why are you talking about this? First of all, we all came to this class, so we're talking about this. But the other the, the other thing is that I think it's very beautiful. It's very, very beautiful. We really want to honor. We're honoring the soul by from the dust you come into the dust you shall return. We are honoring the soul. We're honoring the human the best way we can. Anything that is holy is buried. If it's holy, if you have a Torah that cannot be used anymore, what do we do with the holy Torah scroll that we can't use anymore because it's it's old or it's 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 not able to be fixed properly and we can't read from it? We will bury it because in our tradition, if it's holy, it's buried. And the holiest, the holiest thing in our tradition is the is the body. We consider it holy. That's why you know people have this whole thing about tattoos and and and. The reason why we don't get tattoos is because we consider the body holy. And a holy thing you don't mark up. For those of you who have tattoos, don't doesn't mean that you are a terrible person. It doesn't mean that you can't be buried in a Jewish cemetery. That's a myth. And as we said earlier, teshuva, change, reintegration can happen at any moment in your life. Okay, so get us a group rate, please. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> Marianne. Yeah, uh, um, more on a local uh, point of view. Uh, this is really great because you were talking. I'm married with a. My, I'm Jewish and my my husband is Catholic. So uh, um, you are talking about a Jewish style burial, and I've changed my testament because uh, year, some years ago I wanted to be cremated, and I just changed my mind uh, after reading things and listening to you too. So I want to be buried. So uh, just. Um, in Montreal, I'm looking for a place where I could be buried with my husband together in the same cemetery. So I've been looking for days now, and I was thinking if you just could tell me. Uh, I, will, there... I will help you with that, Marianne. 
Yeah, I would be really glad. No yeah. problem. With pleasure. Yeah. yeah, thank you very much. And I've got two other things, but I'm later, maybe uh, just if we if we have time. Um yeah, I was really impressed. Uh by the way, I do understand now why we 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 cover the body just not to hurt the soul. And uh uh, when when somebody is uh, when my parents what well, when my parents died so we covered the body and i think it's just such a great thought and a great doing uh, i understand why we 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 cover now the body thank you very much it's very important to me you're welcome hi can i this is mom again hi, i'd mom. like to go back i'd like to go back to the motorcycle because I I have many thoughts about this 30 day, but also about destiny and um, things that just happen. And is there a destiny? But if that if that husband if the husband has just had decided on that day, I'm not going to go on the motorcycle with my wife. I'm going to sit on the couch and watch the 49er game. In that sense, is that is the third? It doesn't matter where that person, that human is, but the thirty days is the thirty days. So really, they could, you know, slip and and on, you know, hit their head on their dog on a dog bowl. So I I question that a lot. So again, what, what you're, it's a great question. It's a great great question and. The hardest part of this whole conversation is the fact that we look at it through our lens, through our point of view. We're not starting from the point of view of the soul. We're starting from the point of view of our physical limitations. We are bodies. Our bodies are limited by time and space. Our souls are not. But while our souls are using the body to be able to be limited by time and space in our in this world today, it's very, very hard for us. So there's the best we can do is 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 talk about and um have a conversation based on what we know, but we really don't know anything. The little bits that we know is that you're right. Wherever the person is during that time, if it's their time, it's their time. They could be under the covers sleeping and they can be on a motorcycle. At the same breath. We say that we cannot put ourselves in harm's way, that we should that we should be careful to guard our bodies. We have shomeretes nafshosechem. We have to take care of our bodies, guard our bodies, not do crazy things. I mean, not put ourselves in harm's way. There's all these there's all these things. So so we're saying them in the same breath because we're looking at them from two different points of view. From the point of view of this world, yes. But from the point of view of the soul, it gets a little more complicated. Can I say something about this? Sure, Edwin. Uh, in regard to the same conversation, would it help people understand it if you talked about parallel universes, meaning that if you set yourself on a course of events, then it is predictable that this will happen and this will happen. If you change that course of events, then there can be another conclusion. 
maybe the soul has insight into, well, if you're on that path, you've got 30 days. Mm. Mm. Uh, you don't. Uh, just a way for me to wrap my head around it. Yeah, again, it's it's yes and yes. You know, it, 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 if it helps you wrap your head around it, and, and yes, there this this is the world of falsehood. There are other universes that are called the world of truth. There are other worlds. We've we've spoken about the various worlds from a Kabbalistic perspective before. But yeah, if if, if it helps you wrap your head around it that way, that that uh, that could work. Yeah, Rima. Uh, so there is a tradition when someone is nearing death, uh, you open the window mm-hmm. and you say vidui. So my question is. Does that help the soul? What is uh, what does soul feels? I mean, what's what's there? Yeah. So it helps part because parts of the soul are leaving. We open the window as a as a physical reference for us to acknowledge that parts of the soul have left. Um, what about prayer? What I will tell you, and this is really, I'm opening up a Pandora's box by doing this, and I will close it at some point in our lesson but a lot of the morning rituals almost all of the morning rituals in judaism are about the mourner and not that one who's being mourned thank you i hear that some people have to leave early so uh jill and uh alessandra why don't you get started and we will uh i want to hear your golden nugget jill and then we can pass it to Alessandra and anyone else. If anyone else has to leave early, let me know so we can pass it off to you early. You're not there? Alessandra, you're not there? Please. I'm here. Um, it, it's enlightening how everything is built in stages and also departure is built in stages. We always uh, think, you've used the word sudden a few times. As I mentioned in the chat, my grandparents both died together, I mean, a few minutes apart, in, in a car crash. And it, it feels like they've been stolen from us because, you know, it's not a long illness that you can prepare yourself to, even though I don't think that even a long Illness prepares you from separation from somebody you love, and and so I've I've always felt that something was missing in my life because it had been stolen from the family, and I've seen the the, the damage it did psychologically to my father and his brother. My my uncle was barely eighteen, and and to think that, yeah, we know it's always God's plan, you know, like we. We, there's a script and, and we follow it but to think that even them were actually prepared for this in a sense when the cell left surely whether consciously or not they had some form of preparation for departing I'm hoping that that's comforting in a sense so even though it was drama it, there's a there's a side of comfort from my standpoint, that the cell would uh, would leave thirty days, like an announcement. Get ready. Get get your affairs in order. Say goodbyes. Like you know, if if you're conscious enough about it. So that that's my uh, 
take away. And also, I know I've said it thousands of times, but my mom, her job was to take care of people in, in the end of life. And she always mentioned that at some point, some light in their eyes turns off and she knows they will be gone in a matter of days. So it, 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 it's really, there is a preparation to death, whether we like it or not. So it's very, it's something to digest. Thank you. So Jill is not there anymore. She left. You have to pass it on to anyone else. Okay. Uh, Rima. Yes. Uh, thank you. Uh, so to, uh, to piggyback on what you said, um, uh, I don't have my parents anymore. My father's yard side is going to be on the 12th of June. It's going to be 10 years. And it's very, um, he was a wonderful man that went through Holocaust and uh, very had very hard life. And my mom uh, passed away three years ago. So it is very comforting that uh, they got to know that's going to happen. It's it's uh, it's a comforting thought. So I'm going to pass to uh, Edwin. Uh, thank you. Um, two things. Uh, got me one was realizing that you can be buried with a talit instead of in a wooden box uh, and the idea of, of knowing that you're going to pass should give the people around you an opportunity to console say goodbye you know whatever uh, and it, it just brings up regret, you know, in my part that I couldn't recognize this and uh, behave accordingly. Thanks. Edwin, you want to pass it to someone? Elena? Um, I really don't know what to say. I'm just going to pass. I'm going to go to Cheryl. Thank you. My nugget has to do with that 30-day thing. Because I want to know, I don't know, there's so many questions. I, I feel like I could spend a whole class on this or conversation. Like the person, let's say you were not terminally ill, does that person feel if they're intuitive, if they are spiritual, if they are taking a class like this and learning so much, do we feel it somehow within that 30 days? And others like Alessandro, who is not online right now, we know has a really strong perception of um the other side, shall I say, and Celeste, you are very, Chava, you're very intuitive. And I want to know, like, who can feel this 30-day period and who might just be oblivious to it? And then, boom, it's done. And, and I'm talking about in the 
in the people who do not have the long-term illnesses and don't have the time to say goodbye. So it's just a pondering thought, unless you have an answer for that, Rabbi. I'm that's my nugget. Okay. Who's left? Jenna, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Hi, everyone. Hi, Rabbi Bernath. Um, several nuggets. It's it's very painful to to hear about. I know we're not speaking about it. We're not speaking so much about the pain, but it does just it is upsetting to me. Um, at the same time, I think it's good to learn. The more that we learn, the the less painful it is. And what I appreciated was a small a small piece of the myth dispelling with tattoos because that's something I heard my entire life and it also makes me wonder how much how many other myths there are like that within Jewish conversations and how many people live their whole lives believing that those are true um and also something that we were that we were just talking about uh and you mentioned Rabbi Bernath that Basically, this is what I heard you say. Hashem is running the world. And in the same breath, we have to assume our own responsibility. And this echoes something that I heard in a class last night about how the less there is of us, the more there is of Hashem. And at the same time, we can't relinquish the, our own our own action in this world. So I'm thinking about that. Is there anyone else? So many. Kelsey, Mahor, Marianne, Faba, Mom. I could go. Um, I have many questions, obviously, on this topic. Um, but uh, what I got from this uh, is that it's a topic with great humility. You have to approach it with you know, everyone has their experiences and their theories on how this works, but uh, because we can never truly know, even though we can hypothesize and try to study it, and it's very important to study this, it just reminds me how important life is uh, while we're here, and we need to respect what is here as well as we... Um, you know, um, yeah, anyways, that's that's my takeaway. Bravo. Thank you. First, uh, those of you that I've been studying with for quite some time know about my friend Bo, who passed away almost five years ago. And Cheryl, I want to say this just to you of what you brought up. Uh, he died, of course, unexpectedly, 49 uh, stroke. Nobody knew it was coming. But when we all compared conversations after after his death, we realized he, he, a level of knowingness that he had because he would say things like, you know, when I die, I would like this to happen with my money. Or could you please do this? And he said it all separately so none of us would freak out. And and he is a great example of somebody who dedicated his life to helping others and, and was a spiritual seeker. 
So, so I just wanted to share that I've, I've seen something that I would equate to that experience. And then I also, uh, Mayor, what you just said, I've had, my mom and I both have been experiencing a lot of um, death around us lately, a, a kind of an overwhelming amount of death. In the, I say it's death is in the field for us right now. And even if this, even if there's this 30 days and, and, or if we knew this 30 days to be true consciously, we would behave a certain way, most likely, I would imagine. And so what I'm trying to do is instead of being in a sad state of mourning all the time, just remember that let's all try to act as if that 30 days is always there because then it kind of solves the problem of regret. So uh, thank you for listening. And let's see, um, Diana, would you like to go? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> this is my first <laughs> And I didn't know the topic. <clears throat> so it's really a powerful <laughs> way to begin. Um, I, I, uh, so this is the time when we share a thought about what, what the discussion has been, Rabbi, I don't, the golden nugget thing is Gold, the golden nugget. You don't have to share it. You can pass it, but some, anyone who wants to share, it's your opportunity to share. Well, I was thinking about my father. Was, um, <laughs> my father was, um, uh, not the whole story, but he, he ended up sort of being in a coma for about 10 days before he died. And I would go visit him, you know, and read Psalms and, you know, tell him what was happening. But the last, I would say the last three days or five days or something like that, I was really, I really thought he's not there anymore. You know, so my awareness wasn't, you know, 30 days. <laughs> But I definitely had a had a uh, <clears throat> you know had a feeling that things that that he you know that he was either gone or going you know before before the end and um, I'm looking forward to continuing to to hear from you because <clears throat> something really interesting happened. Um, at the time of his death, uh, with me sort of and knowing about it also. So <laughs> thank you very much for presenting this and for everyone being here. You're welcome, Anna. What about Kelsey? So what I've gotten out of this is the 30 days. That's interesting for several reasons. Um, it makes me think of how you have told us to do one thing better today, just one thing. And so you elevate yourself slowly in that way to kind of piggyback on to what Celeste said, because if you are con consciously acting like every day is the 30 days, that may come from a place of fear, which would be from the animal soul. And so... I just to be conscious that you're acting out of the godly soul 
and not being taken over by the ego. Does that make sense? I guess like I've seen that, you know. And so then you're not living authentically, which we've talked about. I I kind of think it's the opposite, that when people are near death, they're more in the moment, they're more present. Uh, I just went out for lunch with someone who has cancer, doesn't have long to live. And that sense of presence was so strong in that individual. I mean, it, when you're uh, I'm talking as like being with the person who's going to pass. Oh, okay. So does that make sense? But I understand where you're coming from too. I, did Julian go? Julian hasn't gone. Mom hasn't gone. Okay. Well, I said Julian, so we'll go with Julian. Thank you. Um, I was I was wondering a few things. Um, firstly, um, the Israel without the box. Um, is there a reason for that, both physical and spiritual? Um, and what effects would it have? Um, the second thing was, what was this seal, T-Z-E-A-L? And the third thing was, is the 30 days a premonition of death beforehand, or is it the mourner's 30 days? So to answer your three questions, number one, in Israel, um, they go according to the Bible. The Bible says from the earth, you come to the earth, you shall return. So they believe the body should go directly into the earth. There's a lot of controversy about that in other Western uh, uh, societies with regards to uh, the integration into the soil. And I'm not going to go into that. It's beyond my 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 pay grade. But uh, the the tradition, uh, the Jewish tradition, and the tradition in Israel is um, is that the the body goes directly into the earth. Um, your second question about sale sale is is the kabbalistic term but we called it the aura or the shadow um which are both poor terms poor definitions but it's the best that i could find at least and the third was um, um yeah what sets of 30 days was it <laughs> uh so to which i answer i don't know oh okay I, I don't know if I was right saying premonition. I was, I was guessing because the way people were talking, it sounded like the thing about knowing beforehand, but I wasn't sure. Right. So when 30 days, I thought you knew what it was. No, no. <laughs> no, no. Thank you for trying to answer. And, yeah. and the one with Israel, is, is there a spiritual effect it has been buried yeah. directly? You know, a lot of Jews will choose to go be buried in Israel for many reasons. Some have to do with the belief in the resurrection um in in the reincarnation and uh, the, the resurrection and the times of mashiach which is a different conversation but uh, you can put that on hold and we can talk about that at a different time um and a lot of them believe uh do that for this for this belief of going right into the earth so uh, it's it's considered very special to be buried in Israel. oh mom well i have um two sides of a nugget the first one is i i've had celeste and i have had the experience um of 
for me was especially when my I was there when my father died and I thought I knew things about spiritual matters um my ego thought that and when my father died I actually saw that he sh- he shrank his he was such a you know larger than life person and it was so obvious to me that when he fu- took his last breath he just became smaller and i the energy his energy f- started to fill the space where we were standing and at that moment i decided i really didn't know anything and that was um a jewel in my life it was one of the most important experiences i think i've had in my life and the other thing is is that what well, you've talked about rabbi with the 30 days it brings me to the the fight i've always had in my intellect about um free will and destiny because it, <laughs> those things don't match to me and i've always thought that free will is actually based on things that have already are already in our brain we have to act a certain way because all the things we've done so far have led us to this decision and so that's destiny but then there's free will so that's a whole topic that um hopefully someday we'll talk about that because it's just now it's more complicated with the 30 days thank you elliot is there, is there no is there anyone else that uh didn't go oh marianne yeah. sorry yeah thank you um i'd like to go back on the maor and the mom and uh, dive i don't know gina about the humility but there is one thing i've been uh, going through <clears throat> when my father died because we've been talking about our parents a lot so i'd like to add my <clears throat> my little point of view my share sharing um i went to visit him at the hospital and uh it was six o'clock at night and um <clears throat> and then i now understand what is the child because what i was seeing around him he was lying and was uh, not speaking anymore it was something i've never experienced before and uh it was a light and there is there was a yellow light around him and it is the first time in my life that i would not be able to approach my father and uh, give him a hug and or something like this because i really could feel that he was already in another world and uh, in another world whom i was not part of it so i just i left him and i knew that i had to kind of respect the silence of this approach of death and he died him he died at 11 at night but at this time i could not understand what it was it was such a, a, a kind of a saint a holy light and then no i i cannot i kind of have these feelings that it was a the child that i've been through so thank you for also sharing for with everybody You're welcome is there anyone else, is there anyone that we missed i don't want to miss anyone okay 
we're going to continue this. This is not. This is just the first of a number of classes. So if you, if this one was uh, really eye-opening to you, we have a number of these oh. classes that we're going to go through over the next couple of weeks. So I'm very, I'm very excited uh, for what the other things, and I'm I'm fascinated that everyone picked up on a particular part of it that I didn't think was going to be so uh, so um, so impactful. And because of that, I'm going to take a look at it and see if I can do a, um, some more research on that for you. So with that, I wish you all a good week. And for those of you who are Bye, staying, everybody. If you're staying for Talmud, we'll start Talmud in a minute. Hi, Rabbi Bernath here. I have some great news for you. My popular four-week course, Kabbalah for Everyone, is available right now for free for the next 50 people who download it. All you have to do is go to www.theloverabbi.com, scroll to the bottom of the page, and you're going to see the download button right there. In this course, I talk about the Kabbalistic secrets to relationships, to wealth, to happiness, and balance. This special offer has been dedicated in loving memory of Ellie Dorfman. I look forward to hearing from you and hope you enjoy the course. Now on to today's episode.